Life is complex, so is our mental health. It cannot be understood by diagnosis alone. Our philosophy is treat the person, not the mental illness. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Humanizing Mental Health. This is Jeremy Alcorn. This is Trent Nankers. And today, we are joined once again by Shirley Jones. Um, in our last episode, we really just had a sample of, uh, of what it is that she does. And t- today, we want to have a much broader conversation. Um, the title of this really captures what we want to talk about. And that is, you know, Shirley, do, do you do mind work? Do you do body work? And the answer is yes and yes. In fact, um, there's, there's a quote that, uh, that Shirley had prepared that we thought would really um, set the stage for what the rest of the conversation is, uh, is going to be about. So stress can affect movements or contractions of the GI tract. Many people with GI disorders perceive pain more acutely because their brains are more responsive to pain signals from the GI tract. Stress can make the existing pain seem even worse. Pain is a signal to our bodies that something is wrong. If we don't listen to our bodies, our bodies will shut us down. Interesting. You know, when you say that, that makes me think of your first episode and we were talking about the medical industry. And I mean, what is the first thing that when we when we have pain that the medical industry and the medical model give us, but drugs to dampen down that pain or to switch it off? You know, Trent, what I always explain to my clients in uh, biofeedback sessions is... Um, I think that maybe prescription drugs could be used as a temporary solution, Mm -hmm. but never as something that you want to be taking the rest of your life. Um, It's like cutting off a dandelion at the the grass, right? You Mm. look out on the lawn and, oh, everything looks good now because there's no yellow dandelion Mm -hmm. there. But underneath, the dandelion is sending up a whole bunch more um, shoots Mm-hmm. because that's how it survives. And that's what happens when you take a medication, right? It causes um, side effects in the body. You mm-hmm. may not be aware of them, but then it causes other things to happen in the body as mm-hmm. well. So mm-hmm. you have other symptoms that show up. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, and um, I really like that perspective. One of the things I want to be um, re- really clear about is is that we're not telling any listener to stop taking medication not at all <laughs> no no like um but the the bigger picture really rings true like for example there are rarer times when someone would take an antidepressant on going throughout their life but the standard idea that just take it and don't ever get off of it is actually not helpful most of the time um and uh, and so 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 totally when we're talking about pain in particular um, we know that individuals that then would take opiates over time, their pain sensors get sensitized and they, their pain worsens as they take it longer. And, um, and so totally, I, uh, I, I totally recognize and for sure agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the part about the, um, the gut-brain connection, too, is quite interesting to me because when I work on my clients in biofeedback, I generally work on the digestive system. So if I'm working on the digestive system, 
really I'm working on the brain too because there's such a connection between the two. Um, in fact, I always work on the brain um, as well. In the neurolinguistic programming, there's a nutrition, or a, sorry, a um, neurotransmitter and emotion panel. And once I'm done balancing that, then I go into a brain scan and just find the parts of the brain that are stressed and out of balance and mm. just run programs then to balance the parts of the brain. So you can see that the, the brain and the digestive system are always um, of utmost importance in a biofeedback session. Yeah, you know, like, like as, as you uh, bring that up, I um, I was thinking about back when I was doing, or when I've done my uh, depression and anxiety groups, and we talk about the level of serotonin and the amount of serotonin that is, there's more serotonin made in the gut than there is in the brain, and about that the, um, the gut, um, or the brain actually sends more information down to the gut than the gut actually sends up to the brain, so that is really our first, or one of our first embodied brains, isn't it, if I'm wrong? Yes. Mm -hmm. And the other part of that, too, that I'm going to bring in is the autonomic nervous system, mm -hmm. right? The, the vagus nerve attaches to the brain mm -hmm. and uh, then to all the organs and the stomach as well. And they think that the vagus nerve may be responsible for transporting that mm -hmm. um, serotonin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. Absolutely. The, the vagus nerve, one of the nerves that I sense that probably all of us talk about with our clients more often than not. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, this is joining into this. I remember is a, is a very good massage therapist, um, but I, I was in seeing a massage therapist and they were they were using the biopsychosocial model on me. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> they, didn't know, they didn't know who was laying on their face on the uh, on, on the face on their, their table. And um, and so as they're talking about things, as they're like, uh, you know, it's all brain. It's all brain. And I was like, no, no, it's not all brain. <laughs> like actually your guts make more serotonin than your brain does. Like if this was all brain, I would have figured it out a long time ago with my cognition and I can't. <laughs> Yeah. Like, uh, that's why I'm here to see you is because my, my mind is not just in my brain. My mind is in my whole body. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I think that's where the disconnect is, is that, um, people were like years, years and years ago, they were treating specific organs or symptoms in organs. And really like your, your body works like a team. So if one of the organs, like in Chinese medicine, let's say the small intestine and the heart are paired organs. So if one of the organs is slacking, mm -hmm. then the other organ is overactive to try and compensate for that lack of energy that the other organ is producing. Interesting. You know, when you when you bring that up, it almost makes me think of, I think it was either, uh, it's probably ancient Greek, like where they talk about all the different biles in the body, like, you know, like it was black bile, white bile, yellow bile, and trying to make sure all of those biles are balanced. It almost makes me think of, you know, like trying to find the balance for all of those organs is kind of a similar idea with the biles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so the other part of the, um, like, you know, talking about the autonomic nervous system, that's probably one of the most profound panels that I run consistently with everyone. I don't think there's very many people that have balanced autonomic nervous systems. Mm. Yeah, I, I really agree with you. Like, um, we live in a toxic world that has pummeled us down and we've come to a place in which we believe somehow that we're these individuals that aren't interrelated mm -hmm. and and really 
um, the biggest thing that I that I'd seen in COVID was that so many people were disconnected that there was like a pervasive like uh, system-based nervous system across our society in which everybody was down. And because everyone was down, as your any interaction you had brought us further down. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because we're not separate from one another. Our energy intermingles, right? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so I agree, Jeremy, that um, it, it affected everyone um, mm-hmm. terribly. In fact, I don't know about other people. Uh, it seems to me that all of a sudden, people seem to be starting to wake up. And, exactly. and, and, it, and it's like as one person wakes up, then that energy moves to other people, and they start to wake up too. Mm-hmm. It's like your society is coming out of a mass depression. Yeah, um, what was that? I was reading um, a book the other day. It's called Why Therapy Works, which I can't wait to discuss on the podcast. But uh, they, they were talking about the fact that um, human beings are basically what they would call super organisms, which they, it kind of equates to a similar idea as the same as, as beehives. Yeah, or, or ants. Or, yeah. or ants. We're mm-hmm. all interrelated. So like when we're trying to balance things out, it's the biology and it's our social environment that really uh, counterbalance and interact mm-hmm. with each other. Yeah, and it seems like um, as as you talk about this, Shirley, that it that the the evidence for that seems to be found in that autonomic nervous system. That's where it seems to settle and get stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, that's that's one of the first programs that I run for people for my clients when they come in is to make sure that that uh, usually it's the vagus nerve that mm. is um, unbalanced. I just had a client in the other day and she came in with a, a like when I when I ask a client where their stress or anxiety level is, they give me a number between one and ten and hers was an eight or nine out of ten. And so I ran the programs for an hour and a half, um, you know, balancing her autonomic nervous system, the neurotransmitters, the emotions, all the programs for anxiety and depression. So at the end of the session, I asked her what her, her anxiety level was, and she said, zero. Wow. <laughs> that, 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 that's amazing. You went from one side of the spectrum all yes. the way to the other. You looked, and you're like, oh, you're not even a person anymore. You're melted butter in yeah. the chair. Yeah. I, I think you've mentioned to me before, and I wonder if it's with that, like you've actually said, that people have fallen asleep in your chair. Absolutely. Yeah, I had one gentleman come in, and I told him that he could fall asleep in this chair. You put your feet up, and, you know, it's quite comfortable, but some people just don't think that they can sleep in that position. So I told him he could sleep, and he's like, no, I can't. He said, I, I won't sleep. Okay. So I started running the programs, ran the, the autonomic nervous system balance, and usually that really relaxes people. So he fell asleep, and one and a half hours later, I woke him up, and I said, you know, you're done. And he said, 
well, I thought you were going to work on me for an hour and a half. <laughs> and I said, I did. And he yeah. jumped and he said, I can't believe that. Looks at his watch. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. 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 Like, so what, you, what are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, I, it sounds like mm. it was just such a natural sleep that he didn't even notice that he even woke up. Yeah. It's almost mm. like a deep um, meditation or yeah, something. Trance. You know, trance or, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. But he actually um, had 20 years of chronic pain. And that day he left and he had no more pain. He phoned me the next day and said that he couldn't believe it, that he was pain-free after 20 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. And how long did those effects usually last? You know, I don't, I haven't contacted him again since. That's been about probably two or three weeks I generally tell people to come back if they feel the symptoms start to return. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can't um, totally wipe it out in one session. You need a couple or three sessions. But he hasn't contacted me, so I am assuming that he's still pain-free. Yeah. Yeah. So like the rest of us, you're actually trying to work yourself out of business. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) You, You know, and there's something very curious about what you say, because... Um, we did an episode that was about um, psychedelic-assisted therapy. We did an episode that was about hypnosis. And actually, what, what you're describing really sounds like another method to get someone into a very similar um, state of being. Um, and it's just it just really shows to me there's multiple roads to the same location. Absolutely. Um, like... There was an individual that I know, uh, his brother is a doctor, and he used to say that from his do- from his brother's perspective, what he said is that uh, Western medicine only knows about 5 to 10%. The other 90% is educated guesswork. So I'm wondering, you know, how much of that knowledge are you uncovering that they have yet to discover yet? Yeah, I think there's so many years of, um, it's not hidden information, but information that's been kept from us. Mm -hmm. And you really have to dig deep to find this information. But once you do, um, it's incredible, like the healing that um, some of these modalities and and therapies have on Mm -hmm. a person, you know. In fact, even in my lifetime, it feels like my parents held some common knowledge mm. about things to do um, when there was some kind of ailment that it, are just that just vanished. Like like yeah. e- even even the notions around nutrition, around how you create a meal in a way that you have a combinations of foods that are going to work together was more common knowledge. And and at this point in time. I think a lot of that is just lost. Yeah, you could almost say, like, how many individuals now even know how to make things from scratch? Like when you talk like a pie crust or anything, we're so used to just going to the grocery store and buying things. Or for a lot of individuals, going for fast food. And like, really, how does that disconnect us from our bodies, what we need, and disconnect us from the world around us and really understanding how food is grown and made? Exactly. You know, one other um, piece of information that I wanted to share too was um, when I was working in oil and gas years ago, I was asked to do a presentation. So I, it was uh, February, which is Heart Health Month. So I thought I would go on the Heart and Stroke website 
to get some information that I could share with the operators. And I was actually shocked when I went on the website to learn that they promote eating seven to 10 servings of fruits and vegetables every day to prevent heart, heart attack and stroke. Wow. <laughs> so I got thinking, I, I didn't even think that I ate that much. I, I've eaten pretty healthy all my life, but I started counting then and I wasn't probably getting 10 servings of fruits and vegetables. So I came up with some some tricks that um, people can use in their own diets to be able to get that amount of fruits and vegetables in your diet. And one of the reasons that you want to include that much fruit and vegetables is to alkalinize the body. When the body is in an alkaline state, it's in a health state. You know, if it's acidic, then you are, are open to diseases and pain especially acidic pain, um, hampering your, your mobility. Mm. Hmm, interesting. You know, I, I had an experience this last mm. weekend that um, I think really matches with part of this conversation. Was that a Brazilian barbecue? And um, if you know these things, we get there and, and the two other friends that, that I was with, um, friends all the way back to high school, they, they walk up to the salad bar and I was like, that's not what you do at a Brazilian barbecue, you know? <laughs> You, what you're supposed to do is keep that green side up and you eat as much meat as you can. And um, the only thing is this place also had had pineapple that was also in, on the rotisserie. And I ate 31 pieces altogether at the Brazilian barbecue that night. And, and, and my friends stopped and I kept going. And I was like, wow, why is it that this is work, happening? And, and then I, I, I realized, oh... I've actually had a, a lot of slices of pineapple. And the pineapple is actually helping the digestion of the meat. Exactly. And I was like, oh, I, 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 that didn't come to me. The, the reason that I'm eating this, all of this pineapple is not just because it tastes good. It's because my body is telling me, you need this. Yes, to yeah. help digest the meat. You're mm -hmm. exactly right, Jeremy. And then my, di my digestion you know, didn't get messed up. My digestive tract continued to function as it normally did, as if I had just normally been eating whatever I eat, and I don't eat that much meat all the time. Yeah, um, yeah, and and it's so funny that you bring that up because there's another colleague that we work that we work with, uh, Dakota, which hopefully we'll have her on uh, another episode. And we were actually talking about with um, her daughter and because um, she works a lot with eating disorders. And we were talking about the fact that kids know how to eat. They know what they need to eat. Like our body is tuned for that. With a lot of our society, we actually divorce ourselves from how we are supposed to eat. Yeah, there's um, there's programs in my biofeedback device too that actually help people with um, eating disorders and people that eat uh, for emotional reasons um, usually are triggered by what's called a hypothalamus gallbladder connection mm. and it's it's this information that stored in our body that makes us eat for emotional reasons but when you break that hypothalamus gallbladder connection, then you're able to eat 
for nutritional and health reasons instead of emotional reasons. You know, and it's interesting, once again, different ways of getting at different things. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, um, in, in my frame of reference, when you describe that, I would be going in the chain of connection. Why is the biology off? Because I, I rarely see that biology is actually the cause, it's an effect. And then, mm-hmm. then to me, I go, I wonder what trauma happened in that person's life that influenced that, whether it was an event, whether it was um, an attachment injury, um, whatever that, that was. Because because then, you know, in, in my frame of reference, I usually am going through the process of helping them release the um, their connection to that event. And uh, so it's interesting, you know, there's there's multiple ways to get at things. Yeah, different ways you can slice the onion, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, and there's not just one that works for everyone. You know, there's been times in which someone has come in to see me and I've gone, I've done, my bag of tricks are spent. So then I, I've gone, but I know someone that has a different way of doing things. Yeah. Um, and I recommend that you see Shirley. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think sometimes, or uh, I, I know that, um, that Anna, another person that has been on the podcast that sometimes, like, hasn't she, I think, hasn't she referred people to see you first sometimes? Yes. Yes, for sure. Um, just on that, that note of trauma too, um, you know, we really have to get to the root of the problem. And generally, trauma is at the root of most problems. Mm -hmm. Trauma, which is fear-based. And so I run a program in biofeedback that identifies the traumas that um, are most prevalent in that client today, you know, as I run the program. I bring those to the client's attention, not that they have to talk about it or anything. I just ask them if these traumas make sense to them. Some of them are as early as um, being carried in in their mother's womb. So, I mean, obviously, they're not going to know what happened then or even at the age of one or two. Sometimes they can ask their parents and, and find that out. But then when I run the program to release these traumas, the, the client then just sits back in the chair and visualizes these traumas leaving the body going up into the ether being recreated as joy peace love and coming back to heal our earth and that's just as simple as it is i love that Mm -hmm. i just i love that visualization because for myself you know like i always talk about with people about accepting those parts of ourselves and helping them find new jobs and that really speaks to me in that vein Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, this has been a fascinating conversation. Um, what, what I'd like to do is, uh, is if it's okay, um, just have a little bit of a reflection from each one of us about you know, what this conversation has meant to us, what has stood out. And, uh, and for me, the biggest thing that jumped out was um, that I, I really do need to be able to trust myself more. Um, trust my 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 body when it's giving me a pain signal. Trust my myself when it's like I feel like I need to eat this thing. Well, um, in, in, unless it's a cheesecake, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> then that might be a different reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, um, the, recognize that there's some trust that can happen there, and that I I can allow that to guide some of what I'm what I'm doing. Yeah, 
And for me, um, as an individual that uh, I've, I've used the medical system quite a bit, where it's really when it comes to pain and inflammation, always kind of going back to myself and not just going back to the old uh, feeling of, okay, I need to take a pill. Maybe there's another avenue that I can explore as well that will help me out with that. Yeah, and I think that's that's true, Trent. Um, what I try and instill in my clients is to get back in touch with who you are. Mm -hmm. You get signals from your body and you know like that gut reaction um, when something's right and something's not right. So if we can learn to trust our intuition, mm -hmm. we will be far, way further ahead um, in life if we can rely on that and not just stumble through life and expect good things out of it. And Shirley, do you have any other final comments that would kind of wrap up your thoughts about what stands out to you this, in this conversation? Well, I just really appreciate, um, you know, hearing different perspectives. Like, like you said, there's, there's more than one way to deal with any problem that we have. And it's always fascinating to me, you know, talking to you that have studied um, in, in a different fashion than I have. So I really appreciate your, your valued opinions and uh, shared experiences with me. And I thank you for having me on. Well, you're welcome. It's been an absolute pleasure. And on that note, I'm Trent Nakers. And I'm Jeremy Alcorn. See you later. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message has been as meaningful to you as it has been to us. If you're looking for help, you can find us on Facebook at Humanizing Mental Health.